Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Sportsbook Review. Sports bettors worldwide consider the NCAA tournament to be one of the most profitable times of the year. But remember, not all betting sites are created equal, which is why smart bettors all trust sportsbookreview.com. With free picks, live betting odds, and detailed matchup stats, Sportsbook Review is your go-to resource for finding trustworthy, reputable betting locations and coming out a winner this March Madness. Head over to Sportsbook Review today to get in on the action. And for a limited time, visit www.sportsbookreview.com slash ringer to find expert predictions, live odds, and access to exclusive bonus promotions at A-plus rated sportsbooks. Again, that is www.sportsbookreview.com slash ringer. We are also brought to you by SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. Things such as perhaps take the mm. West Regional out here oh. in Los Angeles, California. That'd Seeking. be nice. Maybe drop the bag for the old duffel bag boys to go to the West Regional. Watch uh We want to watch the games. Do do are we gonna do you wanna be haters when we go? Do you, do you wanna yes, like, do it's you gonna wanna be go? the player haters ball? We're gonna be yeah. yelling, we're gonna be booing the entire time. Just, we'll, we'll do whatever we, whatever it takes because we're just, we're sad, we're upset. We we have the we feel the pain of the fan that is lost. Hate on every team because they're not our teams. That's the way we're gonna go about it. So hopefully Seeky drops the bag for us. But anyway, for twenty dollars off, our listeners, the mm. friends of the program, mm. twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event. Use promo code OSP. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We also should mention the Ringer. Dot com, dot com, dot com, where I wrote an article today about uh, Virginia. I don't know if you saw this. Lost to uh, UMBC, and I just kind of went through and I said, this was bad. <laughs> what I thought was genius about this play by you was you let everyone else write it mm-hmm. first. You got to see what everyone else said, yep. and then you get to see what the landscape looks like, and then you can go contrarian, and you look like a yeah, genius. This I know. Was, this That's was exactly what I did. I writers waited, do, folks. I was two days too late. Uh, everyone else was just firing from the hip mm-hmm. and I was like I'm gonna say whatever is not said by everybody else and so I was like hey what if it's not that big of a deal but also it still is a big deal at the same time patience and then yeah and then both sides are like damn this dude made a lot of great points yeah and they quote tweet it and they're like he did it again folks <laughs> and, and that's how you do it so uh and you say I take full responsibility yeah, <laughs> yeah I take full responsibility <laughs> Uh, so go to the ringer check out that if you want we have other articles other people right there not just me uh, you can find other stuff written at the ringer.com also the ringer podcast network where bill simmons today sat down all over the phone with our good friend ryan <laughs> he was sitting while well. sure they're so both, they both were sitting yeah. yeah yeah talked with ryan Rossillo. uh also plug the recapables pod uh i i've mm-hmm. heard that that bill is going to be covering billions on the Recapables pod. So if you're into that show, Billion, Tate Billions, good show. Yeah. Sponsor the podcast, they drop the bag. Love it. The Billions uh, people are friends of the program. So shout out to them. Shout out to Recapables. Uh, check all that stuff out. Today, Tate and I are doing our Sweet 16 preview. Our alma maters are out. We have cried about it. We're done crying about it. Um, now we're just excited to, to watch these games as neutral, unbiased. We certainly don't have any ill will towards any of these teams mm-hmm. remaining. Not at all. Not no. a single one of them. Um, so we're just going to go through, kind of th- go through our thoughts on the Sweet 16, maybe revisit some thoughts from the the first round of, first couple rounds that we didn't get to in those uh, recap pods. Um, yeah, we're just going to try to hit it all. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. It's Monday night. Here on the West Coast, uh, the Sweet 16 has happened. My, my bracket is still perfect, Tate. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Um, 
one one of my tricks I pulled here was I I waited till after the game for Brooklyn to, to fill it in. So it's perfect. You get it? I get it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So it made me it. laugh. If you're I'll watching it, video, yeah. I'm holding it up right now. I could take a picture of it mm-hmm. and then just be like, wow. Look at that. Look, Look how what I'm doing. I did. Uh, which, which Lane Kiffin did on Twitter. I saw him do that. I, by the way, UMBC wins and he took a picture and he's like, I totally called this, but it was like handwritten. <laughs> it's also, yeah. this is the time when everyone brags about their brackets, especially this yeah. year when there's all these major upsets. It's, you know, my stepson made this bracket and yep. look how great he was. He got seven of the eight. Right. Good for him. Congratulations. And then people or, are like, what a genius. Yeah. Put that guy on television. You yeah. know, it's great. Or you uh, do the fun uh, time. You just take like a certain you take you zoom in on just one part of the bracket. Yes. That you're, you're doing like, well in. You're like, wow, look at the top half of the South. I totally <laughs> called that uh, UMBC. And the, it's like, can we see the rest of the bracket? Or are you yeah. just going to? Yeah. Can you um, zoom out? So the Sweet 16 is set. We've had uh, you and I have had we've been doing podcasts um, pretty much throughout this entire term. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've been sitting in this exact chair looking at your face for yes. what, three straight weeks at this Too point? Too much. You hate me at this point. <laughs> You're ready to go. You're out. Uh, so we've had, we've, you and I have had about, what, 12 hours now to to digest, <laughs> to digest. <laughs> what the Sweet 60 looks like? That's the whole point of the start of this podcast. I was telling you before we got on the air, I just want to put it out there that, you know, we reacted as soon as the game's in. It's not a joke. It's not like, you know, we're actually sitting down and talking about any of this. We're watching it all. We're in this haze of eating snacks, of drinking terrible drinks, of not being healthy. Don't complain. Our friends of the program hate it when we complain about our lives, <laughs> but yeah. And and we're just in this haze, and then we just sit down in these chairs and put a microphone in front of us, and it's sort of just rapid fire, whatever call, comes off the top of our heads. There's, there's nothing else to it, folks. I know they, that's amazing, but we're sitting here now. I've, it's marinated a little bit. You know, you got to let things marinate. Mm-hmm. And I have some thoughts. First off, I didn't see what Kenny did to Charles when it went to halftime of the Clemson-Auburn game. So for people that didn't see this, it was 19 points that Auburn had. They were getting blown out by Clemson. It was 43-19. to 19. And Charles Barkley, you know, for whatever it's worth, when Chris Jenkins hit that shot, he jumped up in the air. He celebrated in Kenny's yes. face and just laughed at him. It was one of the meanest things I've ever seen. But also, it's Chuck, and it was hilarious. If, if it didn't happen personally to me, it would be hilarious. But Kenny finally got his chance to get back at Chuck. Auburn is down 43-19. to 19. He pulls out his pencil. Now, Charles has all these stupid orange and blue balloons behind him, and Kenny gets a pencil and starts popping all the balloons <laughs> as Charles tries to talk about Xavier, Florida State. He's like, and I can't believe this one he went down in Xavier. And Kenny's just popping all the balloons and see and I'm and we miss it's talking great. about that and it makes me sad so this is just clean it's up great. duty I miss that moment it's it's like you and I we need we're gonna get to that level eventually yeah um, when when yeah <laughs> when we're, I'm popping balloons behind yeah. you while you try as to Ohio make points State. as I cackle it'll yeah. be great um <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. happy for Kenny we, we made the we made the mistake yeah like you said we we, we do our, our recap pods instantly we we did not learn from what I learned with my my article yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, you, you take you, some time you, and you wait. You use your smart ways on the so writing here's side. here's what we're Save doing now is we're taking some time and we're waiting. And in waiting, Tate, what I have found is America has turned on Tom Izzo. Mm. I feel like this is the story um, coming out of the second round. Certainly, uh, I think a lot of people like to just look forward with these things. And, and we're going to look forward. And we're going to talk about the games that come. Um, I want to look back on on the damage that was left behind. And the damage is that Michigan State fans, it's not even it's not even the rest of the country. I mean, Michigan Michigan fans after the Big Ten tournament are on the 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 it's it's John B lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We Jin. we talked about this before the tournament. It's basically right now we're trying to figure out the Michigan man that is the man of March. Right. And Michigan fans are already there. They've already arrived at like Izzo's a fraud. He's mm-hmm. no longer Mr. March. Mm-hmm. B line is Mr. March. But now I, I feel like Michigan State fans are in agreement with this. Um 
I was like stunned at how at the reactions to this, and I don't know how much of this had to do with the the other the the Nasser stuff going on, the all the uh you know, like what what who knows what with all of that with is, It sharpens the stake, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know like if if that's the reaction where like Michigan State fans are like you know, Izzo has, this is the third straight year he's not made the Sweet 16. And then on top of kind of the the question marks surrounding how he handled certain things, mm-hmm. now we want him to go. Or if like this reaction is just based off of him not making the Sweet 16 in the last three years. But I was I was stunned by this because, first of all, you're, you're taking away one of my favorite ongoing things, which is shitting on Tom Izzo. Because like <laughs> for the longest time, Tom Izzo is like the most lovable guy mm-hmm in the world. And I just like to be a contrarian and I just like to point, you know, like I, that's what the, the few years ago I made up the thing about how he had the conspiracy with Denzel uh, Valentine. Well, and, I, I called Tom Izzo the compromise always because yeah. everyone was trying to find the coach. Like it's coach K, but people were like, we don't like coach K. Well, what about Roy? Well, he got yeah. to go coach at Kansas and Carolina. How hard is that? And like Izzo was the one we all decided was, you know, Tom Izzo, he's the guy, he's the and, front man for and this. And because of that, I love to just, just be a troll basically. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I, like I, I've always loved Tom Izzo and, and, Thought he was great, Mark. I've I've always bought into all that. You're but like, but like what to, about Thad Mata though? But I just like to stir the pot. <laughs> like, but well, are we sure Tom Izzo? Are uh-huh. we sure he's only won one title? Yeah. And then now that everyone's like joining that side, it's no it's no longer fun. I'm coming back to the other side. Like you know, we're we're doing what we did with Trey Young. Whatever mm-hmm. America thinks, I'm thinking the opposite. Uh, but it's shocking how everyone has turned on Tom Izzo. And I say that, but I also acknowledge this was an all time horrendous coaching job with this Michigan State team. There's no other way around it. Uh, this is not an overreaction to one game against Syracuse. Um, th- that, that I think, if you're if you're just kind of tuning in to college basketball and you're just kind of watching the tournament and you see people ripping apart Izzo, you're like, it's just one game, you know? Like, it, it was the, the, the ball bounces a different way. Maybe Michigan State's moving on. Mm-hmm. Why do people hate Izzo so much? The classic, if we made shots. Yeah, if we made shots. Well, the answer is, as you and I pointed out, Immediately in the Champions Classic, when when Michigan State lost to Duke, when Duke didn't even have Marvin Bagley for most of the game, Izzo basically screwed this team up the entire year, playing guys out of position. He has way too many big guys. If Michigan State was an NBA team, they would have packaged like four or five of those big guys mm-hmm. for a point guard. I, I thought I thought Cassius Cassius Winston's a great point guard. I always wanted them to have like a a guy who just ran the offense. Imagine if they uh, could have traded Nick Ward for Tony Carr. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that's, or, like, or just like Nick Ward, Ben Carter, Xavier yeah, Tillman, yeah, yeah. Kenny Goins. Like, uh, trade guys, them all. we have Jaron Jackson. Let's we, just keep him out there. You don't need Somehow all those guys. he only played 15 minutes in the game, but uh, yeah, that's Tony where the problem lies. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaron Jackson plays 15 minutes. So anyway, this was the problem all year. I mean, you have Miles Bridges, you have Jaron Jackson. Those are those two guys. Basically, against 98 percent of the, probably 99.9 percent of the mm-hmm. teams in college basketball, every time Michigan State takes the floor, they have two players better than any uh, the other team's best player. That's true for like m- most every game. And the problem is both of those two players are playing out of position. And it's obvious to anybody, you don't have to be, I don't know, you don't have to be as smart as Tate and I at, at this stuff to, to notice this, that uh, Miles Bridges, maybe he plays the three at the next level. I don't really care. I'm not an NBA guy. That doesn't concern me. At the college level, the man is a four. He's an obvious four that can stretch, have him pick and pop, have him stretch the floor if he wants to, have him shoot the threes. I'm fine with it. But therein lies the problem with the whole with the whole thing and this whole situation. When Bridges came back, when Miles Bridges decided to come back, we knew he was a top ten pick last year. He's not going to be a one and done. Everyone's yeah. celebrating. 
We're, we're already saying, okay, this is Tom Izzo's team. We got the Flint guy. He's a five-star. He loves Michigan State basketball so much, he's willing to sacrifice to come back, which is great. That's the great storyline. That's what Tom Izzo talked about after the game. He's like, I'm sad because of what Miles sacrificed for this team. Right. And what Izzo didn't do was sacrifice for this team. Right. And with Miles Bridges. And you know what he had to do? He had to sacrifice a little bit of that relationship, that kinship he had with Miles Bridges and say, hey, Miles, I understand you're trying to be a three in the NBA. I understand that's where we're trying to get to. But the sacrifice you made was to come back and play college basketball. Right. And guess what position you play in college basketball? The four. You're going to help this team play in the, the four. four. And Miles, I think, honestly, would have bought into that a little bit. But I think Izzo was still sticking to the, we got to bring Miles back, but we also got to protect his stock. Right. Which is the problem and the predicament with this whole situation with the one and dones. And he, he it, it was basically a case of Izzo just, just keeping it like trying to please all of his. Mm-hmm. Which he is a pleaser. Players. And that's yeah. why people like Tom Izzo. That's why he's a likable and, guy. I mean, Mike Valenti, the 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 guy I go to when shit hits a fan of Michigan State, mm-hmm. I go to Mike Valenti, the unbelievable rant, radio guy in Detroit. Mm-hmm. He's a Michigan, he's a Spartan. Um, he says, "This is my favorite part." Was he goes in big games against big coaches? This dude is a zero. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about Izzo. Tom Izzo. That's just the facts. Facts. Valenti, yeah, he did a, facts. He did a, facts. Facts. <laughs> facts. Um. Yeah, he, he's great for that. And then Max Kellerman's coming out saying saying Michigan State deserves the death penalty for the Nasser stuff. Izzo, he should leave immediately. People are talking about, like, is he just going to voluntarily leave? Izzo says, I'm, I don't think I'm really going anywhere. Um, again, like, all the the Nasser stuff aside, like, obviously that that has an impact on on how people are talking about Izzo's job status. I mean, for Michigan State fans, as we've we've said a hundred times by now, this was a an, colossal a failure. colossal failure of a season. There's no other way. They won the Big Ten, and I think as an outsider, you look at that and you're like, well, at least they won the Big Ten regular season. That mm-hmm. matters. If you actually like pay attention to how they won the Big Ten, they they lost the only game they played Ohio. There were four teams that made the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten. Yep. One was Michigan State, so that means they played three NCAA tournament teams in that conference. They played Ohio State once at Ohio State, got their asses handed to them. Mm-hmm. They played Michigan at home. Got their asses handed to them. They played Michigan again in the Big Ten tournament. Got their asses handed to them, and they played Purdue at home and won barely. Mm-hmm. That's it. That was like what they had to show for. It. If they're playing a balanced schedule, if they're playing those teams twice, that looks very different. I'm not even saying that because I'm an Ohio State guy, and I felt like maybe Ohio State makes it like that's true of all the other teams. Very easily, Purdue. Like, like I don't think you can look at the stand or how the Big Ten shaked out this year and say but, Michigan State was definitely the best team in the conference. But that's a minor argument anyway because the whole po- this season wasn't to win yeah, the Big yeah, Ten regular true. season. Yeah. Like if you if you're using that as a cop out to say this isn't a failure, like Tom Izzo will go into a room right now and if he was being 100 percent honest, he's going to say this was a failure. They thought they were going to win a title. That was the whole point. I mean, and they were built to win a title. They had the team to win a title. You expected them to compete for a title. That's why it was show. I, I I've seen all the coverage you know since this whole thing has played out. No one's really talked about Xavier that much. North Carolina, they've talked about right. that because they're defending champs. Tom Izzo and this team, Miles Bridges and this team, Jaron Jackson and this team, this was a special group that yeah. looked like they were destined for something special. Yeah. We got robbed of something. You put them on paper, it's like shot. Like I, you, you watch these guys warm up and they got like the 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 video on Miles Bridges and they're like five minutes till tip and you're showing Miles Bridges. And and you know, I've I've watched Michigan State all year, so I'm not like surprised to see who they have, but 
Um, I just imagine like someone watching this and being like, "Oh yeah, Miles Bridges, he's really good." And then they cut the camera and they're showing like Josh Langford, and they're like, "Oh, he's still there. Oh, oh yeah. he's he's yeah. good." And then and they cut to Jaron Jackson, like, "Oh shit, they got Jaron Jackson. That's right." And then Cassius Winston, you're like, "Oh my god, this and team is stacked." And then it's Matt McQuaid, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, oh, oh okay, yeah. well maybe they have." And then and then they show Ben Carter like sitting on the bench, and they show graphic. This man will play 23 minutes, and they're like, "Oh, oh, okay. oh, wow, well, we messed that." That makes one up. a ton of sense. So, uh, yeah, Izzo has the 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 point has arrived that um yeah i mean michigan state they, this is the tipping point for tom Izzo. yes it kind of is and we're gonna see where he and shakes it's unbelievable. out and look, let's be honest like roy williams was at this point in 2014 I've, he was he was in the midst of all the stuff around the program because the cloud that surrounds a program it, it bears so much weight and sometimes mm-hmm. you can't you just can't get, get without you know for with these instantly investigators like rick patino he couldn't get out from the cloud and he was done he, he was done or was he or is, he, or is he done? Or is he going? Is he, uh, mm, mm, mm. we'll see. What if he went to Xavier? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Xavier. Um, so, uh, yeah, Michigan State wins nothing this year. You get nothing and you like it. They won the Big Ten regular season with an unbalanced schedule. They don't even make the Big Ten championship in the tournament. They don't even make the Sweet 16. That's it. Um, the other team in that game, Syracuse, and I, I have this question for you because I, you know, you're the ACC expert on this mm-hmm. podcast, so I'm going to throw <laughs> this one at you. That game, Michigan State Syracuse, was no other way around it, like just ugly basketball. And the the outcome from that game is Syracuse now. Now Jim Beheim, this is a second trip to the Sweet 16 in the last three years. With both both of them with double digit seeds, uh, so obviously improbable runs of the Sweet 16. Both of them took the same approach of like, we're just going to make the game as ugly as possible, just try to steal it at the end, and that's kind of how we're going to go about this. Um, and it sort of felt like, and and I know this is probably fits under the description of a straw man argument, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying everybody feels this way. It's just I get on the internet, I I absorb what I absorb, I see what I see, and based on what I can see and gather, people sort of applaud Bayheim for what he's been able to do with this team. Mm-hmm. And as they should. I mean, obviously, you take an 11 seed, you take a bubble team to 316, that's great. That's amazing. My question to you, Tate, is why why when Virginia loses for playing ugly and boring and everyone's like trying to gouge their eyes out and saying this is awful, it's, it's you know, Tony Bennett gets raked over the coals. But when Bayheim makes games ugly and steals them in the end, they clap. And is the answer just because every person in the media went to Syracuse? <laughs> That is a great answer. That would actually be... Uh, we should check that out. Every single person that writes a good thing about Beheim, we'll see where they went to school. Um, I will say this about Jim Beheim. He's 73 years old. That's old. He is the second in Division One and wins right behind Coach K, so he's number two. He's really like... if I always view Coach K as Dr. Evil, and I always vision <laughs> Jim Beheim as number two. And I think that's sort of how they roll. They kind of roll together. You know, Jim Beheim kind of realized he wasn't going to be the greatest. So he was like, I'll just tag team with Coach K because yeah. then I'm at least in the conversation at all times. And the best thing I could say about the Jim Beheim zone is that it works. Yes. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I've been watching Jim Beheim run zone since he did it at Kansas in 03, you know, with Carmelo. And that was probably the best iteration of it because at least Carmelo can score better than anyone we've ever seen in college basketball pretty much. Um, this team, if you would have told me that four ACC teams got to the Sweet 16 before this tournament yes. blindly, and I were to go through and guess, I would have gotten to the 12th, 12th or 13th 12th. team before I said Pittsburgh. I would have been like, I think Stalin's made a run. Did they let him play in the playing game? Um, 
I cannot believe this team put it together. But I think that's on Howard for playing yeah. better. I think battles, you know, competing, playing better. I mean, they, they just play harder in the tournament for right. whatever reason. And I think it's so unassuming to play an 11 seed. And you kind of have your guard down. If, if Syracuse is number four seed, you're like, I'm worried about this team. They got some athletes. Like when CJ Fair well, was there, you know, it's like, I'm worried about this team. And then they just wouldn't show up. But when they're the 11 seed, they're just kind of like, that we're funny? just balls to the wall and we'll see what happens. Isn't that funny how like this, basically the Syracuse-Michigan State game, even though Izzo has sucked against Bayheim historically. Mm-hmm. Um, just the two for the longest time. I mean, Tom Izzo is known again as the Wizard of March, and it, it's he always went over Chiefs in March. Bayheim is one of the most notorious chokers to people. <laughs> yes. um, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but well, like it, pretty if, much the belief people, about Bayheim is like if he didn't get Melo to come, he's nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the mo on Bayheim. Yeah. Uh, and in in this game, what comes out of it is like, my God, Jim Bayheim. He's just you know he's taking these teams. He's just that man has nothing and he's just making something out of nothing. And Izzo is the guy who's like just chokes now. And it's, I guess the point is like, just throw away every narrative that you've and, ever come up with about these coaches. And I, and I kind of think it's kind of good too, if you are a coach to see how quickly it can switch, you know, for you. Yeah. Like if you, if you talk to Shaka Smart in 2012 and you're like, how's that career going? He's like, pretty good. Yeah. Everyone's saying I should take over North Carolina it's, or Texas. It's or me and Brad program. Stevens yeah. as the two hottest coaches in the on the planet. And now college. people are like, should Texas upgrade? Are, are, we, are we sure we want the a Celtics Shaka? Celtics are calling for Brad Stevens. The Lakers are calling for Shaka. It's like, man, these two guys are the greatest. Even Tom Izzo. I mean, yeah. when there were problems in Cleveland the first year, everyone's like, we got to get Blatt out of here. They should call mm-hmm. Izzo, you know. LeBron I loves just, Izzo. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to disparage Bayheim. Uh, I don't want people to take it that way. As when I say that Syracuse wins ugly and all that, it's just it, it's funny the how I don't know the the everyone praises that. I think I just want more praise for Virginia. It just all comes back to Virginia for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I, I Syracuse these games are boring as hell. They're <laughs> they're uh, they're ugly as hell. It's by design. Um, I don't necessarily like it. I think whenever I defend Syracuse or Virginia or any really any style of basketball. I, I do so because I I enjoy the college game having all these varying different styles. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily love watching Syracuse play two three zone. I love that the option exists for Syracuse to play a two three zone. I love that Virginia can do that and be successful. I love that North Carolina can run up and down and get in transition. I love that all these styles exist in college basketball. So I love praising all of them. I just think it's it's curious to me how. You know, Bayheim has arrived at this point where he just tries to make games ugly as shit and play great defense and win. And it's like, there it is, there it is, Jim. Whereas everyone's like, but but Tony, when you try to do that, it'll never work. That is strange, but it also is one of those things too where Jim Bayheim is in the perfect position in this tournament to defend defense because Cincinnati is probably the second best team in the country defensively. We thought going in the tournament, but besides Virginia which obviously didn't show up. So Cincinnati only has two turnovers against Nevada. Yeah. So they don't show up. Right. It makes defense look bad. Right. Defense is getting a bad rap in this tournament, basically, was what I'm saying. And Jim Beheim, 73 years old, is still helping defense. He's going to Omaha, Nebraska for the good of defensive basketball. I love that. Good for you, Jim. I love that that Omaha, Nebraska is going to play host to the the matchup between the two seven-year-old coaches here. There's there's something poetic about that. No disrespect to Omaha, but it just feels like it just feels like a nice place for the for the old people to feels like a lot of cracker jacks are in the building. (laughs) You know. It's gonna be a lot of baseball references. Yeah. You know? It's like this is like Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio taking on Um, each other back in the day. Speaking of the old coaches, why don't we well let's take a break and then we'll come back. We'll talk about uh some of the legacies at stake with these coaches coming into Sweet Sixteen, some of the uh we'll preview some of the games, do all that kind of stuff. Let's take a break though. 
Quick break to get a word from Coca Cola and Powerade. If you're into sports, then it's your favorite time of the year. I know it's our favorite time of the year here at One Shining Podcast. It's NCAA March Madness time. With so many games, you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need to be ready for whatever the next round brings. Make sure your fridge isn't empty by the half. Swing by Walmart. (laughs) Shout out to Walmart Distribution Center in Henderson, North Carolina. Employing a bunch of my friends. Shout out to Walmart. Swing by Walmart before every round and stock up on Coca-Cola. Coke Zero Sugar and Powerade before the next one tips off. Coca-Cola is the official fan refreshment of the NCAA and also of Roy Williams, a great head coach. Be ready to watch all the games by picking up Coca-Cola and Powerade all turning long. Um, A typical game day for us, Mark Titus. It looks like me and you sitting in front of a TV, you drinking two Diet Cokes, me drinking a Powerade, and we're saying to ourselves, boy, are we lucky to be watching basketball. Every time Tate goes to get (laughs) coffee out here in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. he's like, you want me to get to coffee? And I say, no, I don't have $50 to spend on a tiny thing of coffee that they draw a heart with the milk Mm -hmm. in. So Mm -hmm. just go get me some Diet Coke. And Mm -hmm. that's that's how it works. It's awesome. It's great. Every single time. Uh, NCAA March Madness isn't just one game. It's the whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke, Zero, Sugar, and Powerade. Of course, go do it. Tate, did you know that getting a good night's sleep is more than having a great mattress? Wow. It's true. Where Where you rest your head matters just as much. And while pillows have always been a mattress company's afterthought, at Pluto Pillow, they're the focus. I have a Pluto pillow. I, I, I've told the story before. Pluto dropped the bag for me. They, they reached out. They said, we want to send you a pillow. Do you want it? And I was like, not really, but I like free stuff, so mm-hmm. I'll take it. Um, a pillow is something that I never really cared much about. Didn't see the point in caring about a pillow. I now see the point. I sleep really well on it. Um, and then the follow-up to that is I've been out in L.A. I could not pack my Pluto pillow in my suitcase. Ugh. I've been staying at this this awful Airbnb that has garbage pillows and it get a little creak in my neck, so I miss my Pluto pillow. Uh, designed with a supportive inner core and plush outer casing, Pluto pillows offer both support and cushioning comfort. Not to mention they are breathable, temperature regulating, and always bounce back. The last piece of the puzzle is you. You? Me. 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 You. Me. You. Me. You. Me. You. Me. 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 So instead of testing dozens of options at your local store or buying a one-size-fits-all pillow, opt for a pillow that is individually personalized to you based on your body stats, how you sleep, and what you like. Just go to PlutoPillow.com, that's P-L-U-T-O, to answer a quick questionnaire and receive a pillow built for you and your unique sleep profile. You'll have 100 nights to test your pillow in the comfort of your bed. Be sure to enter the code ONESHINING for $20 off. That's PlutoPillow.com and enter the offer code ONESHINING for $20 off your Pluto pillow today. Back to the podcast. All right, Tay, one of my favorite things to do heading into the Sweet 16 every year is to sort of forecast what, play play a little hypothetical game. Um, I think you, you, when you reach this point, when you reach the Sweet 16, you start buying into the idea of maybe being able to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. We all know that's probably not likely, that, that Loyola is probably still not winning a national championship, even as much as people want to talk themselves into the idea of it. Um, but yeah, that's part of the fun of the Sweet 16. You're like, oh crap, there's only 16 of us. Why not us? It could mm-hmm. be us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I like to do when we have this downtime leading into it is play the what if game. What if Syracuse goes on this run and wins it all? What if Duke, you know, God forbid, uh, might win a national championship? It's happening. I'm sorry, Tate. Um, so let's start there. Let's start with Syracuse Duke and the legacies. I think Duke, the legacy for like Coach K, if if he goes to the Final Four, wins the national championship, I'm not sure it really changes much. Um, and I don't say that because I'm hating on Duke. I say it because the man is already the greatest coach who's ever 
coach to college basketball. There's really nothing. It's just more icing on the cake for him. I guess you could say it validates the one-and-done thing even further. This would be his second title using one-and-done guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there really anything else to add to that? I mean, Coach K at this point, it's just it's just adding a drop of water into the, no, the ocean at this point, right? Well, he's trying to make the race to get to catch Carolina. The whole point of this national championship run for Coach K is he is the one, you know, for Duke. He is the chosen son. It's like the omen, you know? I mean, this is the man that they've put in charge to make this run. He is, the, yeah. he is like, there's Vic Bubis, you know, who nobody knows who that is. And then there's What's his last Mike Bubis. Bubis. Can you say it in a sentence? <laughs> Bubis. Uh, yes. That's what Coach K is up against. I mean, yeah. he has to fight for this fight. And this is, I think, the greatest thing about this game. And I love seeing any game where Coach K is the young guy. So I like that he's going to be 71 <laughs> years old in this game. He's going to feel a little spry. That back's going to be a little loose. Yeah. And what does he know? Jim Beheim. Yes. Who does he know better than anyone? Jim Beheim. This is like sort of what, what Coach K has done to Jim Beheim is very similar to what Michael Jordan did to Charles Barkley. He saw someone that he was intimidated by and scared of and didn't quite understand. And he was worried and he said, let me bring this guy in with me. Let me befriend yeah. this person so I know who they are. So if we, we were to you know, get head-to-head in maybe the Sweet 16 in Omaha, Nebraska, I know what to do. Because guess what? I run his zone now. Right. This is my zone. This is- and, and Jim Beheim's team, granted, they go against their own zone every day in practice. They haven't gone against the zone with Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley and these guys on the back line for Duke. And if Grayson's actually trying on defense and not shooting every time, this, this Duke team is built to win. They scored 60 on Syracuse last time. Syracuse has held team. It's 56, 52, 53 in the tournament. Yeah. Duke ain't scoring 52, 56, not, 53. No. I mean, they're scoring more than 60. Duke, and Duke shot two for 18 from the three-point line in the mm-hmm. one matchup that they had this year. Mm-hmm. And they still beat Syracuse by 16. Uh, Duke's, Duke's zone is not as good as Syracuse's zone. No. We should say that. Make that clear. Mm-hmm. Duke's offense might be infinity times better than <laughs> Syracuse's <laughs> offense. That becomes the difference. Uh, yeah, it's, it is funny. Uh, you know, uh, as you said, with Coach K taking Bayheim zone, it's it, the, the image that immediately came to mind was uh, Bill Self wearing the pullover with Bob yeah, Hig- yes. at the Bob Huggins game. Yes. Or it's like, I'm going to take a piece of you, <laughs> and then I'm going to kick your ass with that piece of me, like with the piece of you it's that a, I now it's have. It's like, we're friends. It's like it's a it's psychological like a, <laughs> warfare. Yeah. Like, But we're still friends, yeah. but good job out there, buddy. Love playing <laughs> golf with that <laughs> yeah. guy. He's a good guy. Uh, so, <laughs> Bayheim, let's say Bayheim makes a Final Four. He, mm-hmm. he comes out of this Sweet 16, be, beats Duke, makes it. He's going to have to do it. Every game that Syracuse plays from here on out is going to have to be the same way. All basically all of their wins this year have been, mm-hmm. where it's yeah, just they, they score 48. And and we should say like even if Syracuse plays bad, they were out rebounded 51 to 30 in this game that they just won against Michigan State. They made one three in the game against Michigan State. Yeah. And they somehow won the game. So that that's I, I say that they have a shot just because they can win in the ugliest way possible. And if Duke gets caught up in the game where we saw what Virginia did, we saw what Carolina did, where they get behind and they start trying to chase the game, it just th- becomes there may be a problem. It becomes like the zone and, and the same thing happens with Virginia's defense throughout the year to other teams, certainly not to UMBC, but uh to other teams when they play Virginia. The zone just like wears on you so much that you just you can't like focus on anything else. Like when you're trying to score, and it's the game becomes so ugly, it just drags everything down. And then when you're playing defense against Syracuse, you're just like, it, ugh, what, just, what do you always hear? Don't think, just play. Yeah. And when you're playing against the zone, you have to think and play. It reminds, and it's all happening. At the it same reminds time. me of when I played high school football. The last game I ever played in was like 20 degrees and raining in mm-hmm. the state tournament. And I was the starting quarterback, not to brag. Um, 
and I'm a senior, and I should be there's if there's anyone on the field that should care about this and trying to win it, it should be me. And it's like 20 degrees and raining, and I'm looking around just like, what are we doing? Why do I have to do this? That's how I feel like people that play against Syracuse are just like sitting on the bench, just like, oh, just looking at the clock. Can it mm-hmm. be over, please? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, they're suffocating. They're just like, get yeah, this the game. Worst. This is the worst. I don't even care for winning, losing. Mm-hmm. I just get to get, it over, get it over with. So let's say Syracuse does that. They they do that to Duke. They do it again to Clemson or Kansas. They make a Final Four. Does that change things for Bayheim for you? This would be his third Final Four. He went in 2013. It would be more than his third. I think it would be a six, but his third since like 2013, mm-hmm. 2016, 2018. So it would be like this new era of Bayheim. Um, does it really matter? Does it change things? Is like like do P, are people going to believe in Bayheim or is it? I think he got killed by the cloud, you know, a few years ago, and now he's on the other side of that where people are back to being like Jim Bayheim. What yeah. a treat! What like what a, what a great asset to college basketball. We don't we don't want to waste it while we have it because like Calhoun left too soon. You know we didn't get to embrace it. Gary Williams left too soon. We didn't Old get to embrace guys. it. Yeah, so <laughs> in Maryland. <laughs> so basically, Jim Beheim is like right there, and we're trying to make sure that we embrace him before he goes. I think the best thing if he does do the Final Four run is that he goes out with a bang. He definitely retires. Mm-hmm. I think this is actually it. I think if he makes the Final Four run and beats K, he's kind of like this is my final run. I can't wait for my thirty for thirty. You know. Yeah. Jim Jim, Jim, Jim Beheim's last big bang. Let me there. understand what you just said. You think Jim Beheim's going to retire if, if he goes he, to the final? Four. The bottom, yeah. You think the words? If he continues Jim, to win and goes to the final four, he will retire. Interesting. Yes. But he's got Buddy coming in next year. I <laughs> I just feel like Jim. It, it's been awesome. <laughs> it's he knows. <laughs> he knows it's been awesome. We've had fun. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I'm with you. I think people have come around on Beheim. Uh, I I want him to go out on a high. I don't yeah, want him to go out on a low. You know. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it really. I think it's just sort of a cherry on top for him at this point to go to another Final Four. Absolutely, uh, winning another title would help. Obviously, it's uh, also winning, bragging rights with your friend. You know, to yeah. build a rib K and be yeah. like, remember in 2018, winning another title always helps. But uh, you know, it would it would certainly because as you said, it's just the mellow thing. Even though he's, but but Beheim's a legend, and people. I'll, st- I'll tell you this: if he wins a title with this team, I'm gonna say he's a better coach than Coach K. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say that. Um. So what about the other Midwest? Because uh, as, as I look at the bracket, I'm, as I'm thinking of of the coaches, the programs, the whatever uh-huh. that that could, uh, with I wouldn't say the most at stake, but like the biggest opportunity to really, you know, change change the way people view them. Mark Few. Mark Few. Is that what you're gonna say? You Is that go what you? I thought that's what you. No, were I was say. looking still at the Midwest. I was gonna say Kansas. <laughs> I think Bill Self. Oh, like yeah. Bill Self has been to two Final Fours. That's mm-hmm. probably shocking to people that don't pay a ton of attention to college basketball. Um has the reputation of choking in the lead eight. Uh, he's won one national title. Mm-hmm. We know that he's won 14 straight Big 12 titles. We know that he wins seemingly 30 games every single year. He gets one seeds every single year. I think he um, averages 29.6 wins a season. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> that makes no sense. He, yeah. And and I think if, Can- if Kansas wins a national title, that is that is massive for Bill Self. It's massive for Kansas, obviously. Not that it's not massive for all these other schools, but I think Bill Self goes from just like the uh, – you. There, there's an argument that exists that the only reason Kansas gets the one seed is because they dominate the Big 12. The only reason they dominate the Big 12 is because they have Allen Fieldhouse. And they're the only, they're one of the few programs in the Big 12 that actually care about basketball more than football. Mm-hmm. So Well, they are basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you when you factor all that in, you could sort of, if you wanted to make an argument that like that's why Bill Self is good and can he actually... I'm, I'm just trying to pretend this is what idiots would say. But uh, So getting another title to me, like there's a ton for Bill Self here. To do and and if you look at like who he would beat, he's he's gonna beat probably Duke in the mm-hmm. Elite Eight, then probably Villanova, then say Kentucky. That's like a that's, that's a great run. rundown. Yeah, for Bill Self to be like, 
suck on this. It wasn't just Derrick Rose missing a free throw. Was it Rose that missed the free throw? Yeah, yeah, it was. Derrick Rose Sorry, missed Derek. a free throw and Chalmers hitting a shot that mm-hmm. that won me Mario's the title. miracle. It wasn't just that. It was that I'm a I'm a damn good coach. I've just choked in every single lead that I've been in since. <laughs> and plus, the, the biggest thing on self is everyone does the whole. He's had eight number one seeds and yeah. two final fours. You know, I and mean, everyone remembers Bucknell when he because he just got there. And I think that somehow has clouded everything with them. Um, yeah, I, I think self has a lot of uh, Clemson. So like the the up and comers. I mean, it's obviously awesome. I don't think I, I don't think legacies even exist for Brad Brownell yet or Clemson. You know, like. It, you can you can do that with any team. Like Final Fours are cool for any program. They're whatever, but I don't. I mean, know. let's be honest. Brownell before the season, he said, "I knew I needed to win this year." Yeah, and he needed to win in two areas. People at Clemson were like, "Look at our football program. Right. We win titles at Clemson." So that's what they wanted him to do there. And the two things he was going to do this year: one, get Zion Williamson. Eric didn't Oof. work out, so they didn't get him. The number two thing was actually make a run in the tournament. Don't get the five twelve upset that we were scared about. We thought that he was going to have Zach Loft, Loft and hurt him in the first round, get out of the tournament early, and Brownell would have probably been out. At least that's what he's saying now. Yeah. Now that he's made the Sweet Sixteen, he feels a little bit more comfortable. If they really make a run, if they really beat Kansas, then Brownell is you know one of the hot young coaches yeah. that everyone's talking about. You know yeah. the guy from UNCW. He's not the same guy. But, but that's what I mean. If if Clemson goes on this run, it's not to discredit Brownell or say that he's not. Good. It's just. When it's sort of your first time there and your mm-hmm. first time going through it, you don't have a legacy yet. You just have like that Unless one you're story. Shaka Smart and then yeah. your legacy and then is just growing. <laughs> it's just growing. It's just constantly growing. But you growing. don't really have a legacy. You just like kind of have one chapter. Mm-hmm. And that's just the one chapter that we have. So like Clemson, I Did mean. Did you just write Shaka Smart's book? Yeah. There one you chapter. One chapter. <laughs> Sorry, Shaka. That was mean. <laughs> that was mean, Shaka. That would be awesome. Shaka's, the Shaka Smart's book is just titled One Chapter. There's literally one chapter, and it's like the time I went to the Final, final Four in 2011. Four. That one Final Four. And it's 400 pages long. <laughs> That's good, Tate. I like that. We should do That's that. Fun. We'll write uh, that. Yeah, Clemson is playing well, though. They kicked Auburn's ass. They mm-hmm. are. Uh, they, they got a good thing going, playing great defense. Um but yeah, as far as legacy, we don't really need to touch on that. I think it also makes, if Brownell wins with Clemson, I know people don't know much about Clemson, but Grantham went down in January, who's one of their best players. And when they lost Grantham, everyone was like, it was like Bonzi Colson with right. Notre Dame. Everyone's like, Clemson, they're out. They don't have their full team. They're not able to do it. But they win with guard play. And Gabe DeVoe's the man. Uh, same sort of thing with Texas Tech as as it is with Clemson. Um, not, to, not to say Texas Tech isn't going to do anything. I think Texas Tech is... In a good position. I mean, they the happy Tech, to be here bunch. Texas Tech makes as much sense to me coming out of the East as any of the others. Honestly, I could see mm-hmm. it happening. Um, I could also see it not happening. That's 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 how I see it. It's a good stance. <laughs> that's how I see it. Uh, but yeah, same sort of thing. It's like they, they Texas Tech has never even made an elite eight in the history of the program. So mm-hmm. this would be awesome. It would be great. But it's not like Chris Beard does not have a legacy yet. Texas Tech does not really have a legacy. So it's just sort of a. Do you know whose legacy this really hurts? What Pat Knight's. Yeah, and, and the Knight family at large because Bob Knight was going to go down to Texas Tech. Well, this is so. This is make a run. Texas Tech, Purdue. This is sort of like a Indiana. Yeah. This, is, this a, is like a rivalry game. Where's Bob Knight at? Yeah, he should be Bob at Knight this at game? game. Yeah, come on, we got to get Bob Knight there. Uh, so he's we'll, probably going to pull for Purdue at this point. But if we're staying in the East, um, Purdue is another one. I think I think mm. Bill Self. There's there's a, a huge opportunity for him to sort of change how everyone views him. I think Matt Painter might have. Might be the the single coach in this tournament that's left that could just completely change everyone how everyone talks about him. Matt Painter, I f- I feel like Matt Painter outside of Purdue circles is not well respected 
And <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that don't know Matt Painter is the coach at Purdue. Yes, unfortunately, just, just start right there. People people just know Purdue basketball. They're like, oh yeah, Purdue, Purdue. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's about the one program. Yeah. yeah, they don't um, know Matt Painter. Purdue has not been to Elite Eight since 2000. They have not been to a Final Four mm-hmm. since 1980. They they're have, tortured. They they are they're tortured. Uh, they have had great players. They have had great teams. Mm. Robbie Hummel tears his ACL twice. In, in the prime of his career, Isaac Haas. <laughs> Kyle Singler's Adam Morrison, Robbie Hummel. That's the best way to describe Robbie yes. Hummel. If you don't understand Robbie Hummel from any context. Um, um, Swanigan last year, they, they lose to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Haas this year. They, I mean, they have a good team this year, and then Haas goes down. Like, always, something always seems to happen. Matt Painter wins the Big Ten a lot. He's, mm-hmm. he's been a He's been a great coach in the Big Ten, um, but he's never he's never made an Elite Eight. He's been he's made a handful of Sweet Sixteen. So that's as we know, that's all that matters to people. What you do in March, if Purdue makes a Final Four, I think this is this is not an instance of just a one time thing for Matt Painter. Like Matt Painter is a coach that's been knocking on the door. It's mm-hmm. just Sean Miller and and Tony Bennett and a handful, Chris Mack. Chris Mack. Like mm-hmm. these guys are ahead of him in line on knocking on this yeah. door. And the way that people talk about these guys. But 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 Matt Painter's in that group, so I think like, you know, if we're talking about legacy, Scott that's Drew, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Scott Drew, just for Scott, had to yeah. throw that in there. Um, so I th- that's one that stands out to me too. I, th- I think Bill Self and Matt Painter are like two of the big ones. It'd so. be good for you too because you're a big fan of the Mackey Arena and the mm-hmm. bathrooms, of mm-hmm. course. So if they win a title, the bathrooms you predicted this year was going to be a year for them. That's what I was going to say for the Big Ten. I know just going back to Michigan State, we thought it was Michigan State. We thought it was their year. I'm still convinced that it could be Purdue's year. We said it a few times this year. There's well, been some moments. As a quick aside, how about a new mystery? The Isaac Haas mystery. We, we had the Chris Mack mystery mm-hmm. that we started on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Is Chris Mack going to Louisville? We don't really know. We saw his wife at the Louisville shopping mall looking for houses also while she was at the mall mm-hmm. while also... His, her, Why her, was there a realtor store <laughs> in the mall? <laughs> um, we're, so we're is he going to Louisville? Folks. We don't know. Yes, people yes. people forget his wife is, is from mm-hmm. Louisville. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, but we have a new mystery. It's the Isaac Haas mystery of he, he fractures his elbow. He's done for the year. How could you possibly play with a fractured elbow? And then Isaac Haas says, I'll show you how I'm going to play. I'm going to get a, this special pad that I'm going to put on. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> and then um, look, just just play the music, Kyle. Nice. So here's the new development, the Isaac Haas mystery. Tate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reporters are shoving cameras and, and tape recorders and microphones in Matt Painter's face. They keep asking him about this. They're saying, is Isaac Haas coming back? Because Isaac Haas will not quit. He will not die. He's still practicing with the team. He's still running up and down. They, they showed him warming up against Butler. He's shooting hook shots and then wincing in pain and, and looks like he wants to, <laughs> you know, he's, he, 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 he's shooting himself with morphine probably as soon as the camera stopped rolling because he just looks like his arm's going to fall off. Um, Matt Painter basically says Haas is definitely not playing. Yes. He's like, it's definitely not happening. But then someone asked him, are the engineers, you know, Purdue's an engineer school. Uh, it's it's. Do they have a bionic arm, sir? Are they working on something? And he's like, yeah, I think they are. So we're not really sure what's uh-huh. going on here. Uh, Matt Painter is, is I'm going to say it, he's handling this very, very poorly. Yeah, you had a great point about this. He is he is not doing what a coach should do in this situation, which is you're going into the Sweet 16. You're playing Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech has their turf toe problem with Keenan Evans, who I think is at this point is kind of over it. He's playing really, really well. Yeah, I think that was I a think, good— I think it's a, See, and this is a great example of using something where Keenan Evans has turf toe. He's not feeling great. He's not 100%. Teams are like— Maybe this guy's not 100%. Right. Then he turns it on and it's playing great. L- look what, you know, like what we did with the Michael Porter mystery. Mm-hmm. Is he 60? I know that see, one kind of backfired. Is he 65%? Actually, yeah. Didn't actually, didn't actually help. Turns but out he was 65%. You got to finesse this situation if you're Matt mm-hmm. Painter and say like, listen, Isaac, he's been, he's been, 
He doesn't look great, but he's de- he's a determined young man. We're just it's going to be a game time thing. We'll see. Instead, Matt Painter's like, no, he's not. Pl- Are you guys out of your mind? The guy mm-hmm. fractured his elbow, and and anybody with a brain should like know this. We should know that like if you fracture your elbow, and it's a shooting elbow, so all you have to do is foul him, and he would go to the free throw line and airball every single free throw. Um, but you know when you start hearing things like Isaac House wants to play, you you talk yourself into it. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. And then Matt Painter comes along. He's like, no, it's not happening. And you, you you need to plant the seed of doubt in people's minds and and. But you're making it easy on all the managers and assistant coaches that are putting the tape together on the game. So if you say definitively Isaac Haas is not going to play, yeah, right, great. Let's scout every single game that Isaac Haas is not on the floor. So let's yep. go watch every single minute with Harms on the floor. That's what we're going to scout for. So my theory is that that Painter knows that Purdue is better without Haas, <laughs> as everyone else. Seems so he's to not be even saying. willing to take. So the, he's like, the, no, the he's like, please, he's like, yeah. he's like stop. Media, stop talking about it, mm-hmm. or you're gonna make me have yeah. to play Haas, and I don't want to play. Haas. What if it's one of those things where Haas just like re- sincerely wants to play? And it's like I'll do it, coach. Yeah. I'm not, and he's like, I know, Isaac, I, Isaac, Isaac, you have a broken Isaac. elbow. <laughs> what if, Get back to the bench. What if they X-rayed it and it wasn't actually broken? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Isaac, I got terrible news. We got to amputate it. He's like, what? I barely hit it on the ground. What are you talking about, coach? It's like, yeah, you can't. Play. Oh, so that's the mystery. Is Isaac Haas will he or won't he? Um, Matt Painter says 100 percent, definitely not happening. But mm-hmm. Isaac Haas keeps saying. He might. Uh, what happens if Isaac Haas checks himself in? What if he just runs, awesome. <laughs> just awesome. runs, takes it off, puts himself in? That'd be great. Uh, so moving on with like the legacy talk, though, I think mm. Purdue, Purdue is one that stands out to me. Do any of them stand out to you? Like, is Kansas and Purdue just uh, Mark you know, Few I'm, stands out to me? And I brought that yeah, up. Yeah, you did bring it up earlier. Let's uh, talk about him. Gonzaga. I look at this team and I, I've sort of bought into the idea of maybe Gonzaga can make a run. Um, I like what they're doing. I like Norvell. I like Hachimura. I like that those two guys. It's like when you think about that team, in my head, I think about the team from last year. So you automatically go to Perkins and Williams, and you're like, okay, that's the Gonzaga that you know. But you yeah. see these two guys, and they're playing at a different level. They seem like they're prepared. Hachimura reminds me of Zach Collins last year, where you're yeah. kind of like, this guy is way too prepared and ready to be playing right now. Why is he not playing more? And now yeah. he's kind of getting the reps and getting the minutes, and Fuse trusting him. I just think as far as Mark Few gets to his first Final Four last year, it's one thing to get your first Final Four and be done. You know, ask Shaka Smart about that. The second thing you could do, <laughs> just kidding, this is just shouts at Shaka Smart. You're dragging uh, Shaka today. <laughs> if, he, if he does it back-to-back, that's a different conversation. You know, now, now we're like, oh, this guy's for real. Because look at Billy Donovan. The fact that he took the Florida, and obviously he won the national championship, won two back-to-back. But just Did making he win two? He won I don't, two. I don't remember the second one. Yeah, I don't remember the second one either. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, I don't it want, didn't I, actually that, happen. That was the second one didn't happen. See, I don't want to bring that up either. But anyways, if you go to back-to-back Final Fours, you're on a different level of coaching. People respect you. You're always going to be remembered for doing that. And now Gonzaga has become almost a blue blood. We talked about that. Like, they're close. They're right on the verge yeah. where people... It's almost... If if Stevens had stayed at Butler, I think he was like 12 years from being where Mark Few is. Where yeah. it's like... This team is now like in Duke territory almost, where they're legit every single year, and they have real recruits that are coming in, and they can win a title every year. And when 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 Tay says they're almost a blue blood, to re, to just to clarify for people listening that are going to take offense to that, um, you mean the way that we react to their how if they Gonzaga win or lose. loses, we're shocked. Yeah. If they lose, that's, if, that, that's where they want to be. If Gonzaga loses yeah. in the first round, we're like, what? How did that yeah. happen? We're doing and, whole segments like the Zags go down. Yeah. You know? What's wrong with Gonzaga? It's not like, like Xavier is a perfect example. Xavier is a one seed. They win the Big East regular season. They lose, and people are like, that Florida that, State yeah, team, makes they're a lot fun. Of sense. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they look like right. they could win that game. Yeah, you're right. So Mark Few, uh, they 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 got the big breakthrough last year, made mm-hmm. their first Final Four. I'm with you though. Like he he goes to another one, and they kind of they go back to back Final Fours. That's something. A different That's team. It's like a, a coaching different, job. Completely different team. Without Zach Collins. Um, yeah, without Williams Goss, without Karnowski. Like those are yeah. Nigel Williams Goss, I mean, 
when you look at the point guards at Gonzaga, and I mean, I may be talking out of turn here, but it's going to be Stockton that people talk about and probably Williams Goss as far as familiarity and people remember. I mean, Dave maybe. Dick Al. Oh, that's right. Dick Al. <laughs> Dick Al. No, I said Dick Al. No, there, yeah. there's no T on the end of that. Yeah, what, Dick Al. There's, there's no T. Is that right, Dan? There's Dick no Al. T on the end of his Dan last name. Dick no. Al. No, no, no. Um, you yeah, can join James Mark Dean Fusey with that name. Pick. What about Huggy Bear? Can we talk about Huggy Bear's legacy? Do you think he needs this? Yes. Do you think Huggy Bear really needs anything in life? Or is he just content at this point? I think he does need this. I think Bob Huggins has been to two Final Fours, um, mm-hmm. which feels like not enough. But then again, you remember Bill Self's only been to two. And there are actually a lot of really good coaches that have only ever been to two Final Fours. Uh, but Bob Huggins is one of them. One was in 1992 with Cincinnati. The other was in 2010 with West Virginia. Uh, he he sort of creates his own adversity in the sense that he <laughs> purposely recruits shitty players so then he can be, you know, everyone can paint that picture like... The Javon Carter recruiting story has been coming up a lot lately. Yeah. And for people that don't know about this, so basically Bob Huggins went to this gym to watch Javon Carter. This is when he was in high school. And the kid was in there an hour and 30 minutes before practice started. And then they, then they play the game or run a scrimmage or something like this. And he presses the entire time, unprompted. And Bob Huggins is like, this is my guy. And everyone's like, no, this, this, I don't even think he was supposed to be watching Javon Carter. And he's like, that's my guy. And that's how Bob Huggins works. You know, he finds personalities and it's like, that's what I want. I want that bulldog. I want him in my press system. Like, right. That's who I want. And uh, right. yeah, that's what Bob Huggins is about. And he's going to overachieve with this team. I think. Yeah, if, if Bob Huggins, so if he beats Villanova, who I think at this point, it, it, most people would agree is the best team left in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if not Villanova, probably Duke It would, would probably be the other pick. Uh, but Villanova is probably the, if he can knock off Villanova, then beat Texas Tech or Purdue, which he's probably actually not getting much credit for beating Texas Tech or Purdue. No one, no one would probably care that much. But then say, he, if he gets to a national championship with this West Virginia team, um, that would be massive. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He has 800-something mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. He's he's an absolute legend, but at the same time, he's only been to two Final Fours, never won a title. He had some controversy sense. stuff that kind of clouded people from giving him the credit for a little while. Yeah. You know, like right in the middle of his run before he went to West Virginia and got it back. Before 2010. Like, 2010 right. was like his redemption tour of like Bob Huggins. He's a staple in college basketball. He sort of had like some ups and downs with West Virginia fans where like, I feel like they mm-hmm. he, he's a West Virginia guy and all that kind of stuff, but... I feel like he he raised the bar of the program, but then it became obvious that they sort of plateaued and people got a little frustrated that we we blow every single lead we ever get against Kansas. Can well, they we probably watched the that? end of game sequence last year with yeah. Devon Carter and, and they were like, what year. are we going to do? So there's all that kind of stuff, but uh, it's interesting how we we brought up Villanova and how we were, you know, when the, when the draw came out, we said Villanova has a really easy draw. Um, that, was, that was kind of the consensus was that one through four in the East – is easier than one through four or anywhere else mm-hmm. to, to most people. Um, for Villanova, we, we were scared about that second-round game, no matter who it was going to be. They blow out Alabama in the second round. Now, basically, the East has gone chalk. Villanova now has West Virginia instead of what was supposed to be Wichita State, but that's that was a toss-up anyway. And then you, you got the 1-5-3-2. Um, Villanova does not have an easy draw anymore. And West Virginia, I, I've, I've, I'm talking myself into like West Virginia actually having a good chance against Villanova. Like they sort of, they're going to play the exact same style of basketball, more or less. Like what Villanova doesn't press, they don't play the hectic style. But West Virginia shoots a ton of threes. They'll like to get up and down. Um, there will be that part of it that I guess like Villanova probably has better shooters than West Virginia, so that could be a problem. But uh, this West Virginia team is just, it, I, I believe in them a little more. And if they can knock off Villanova, that'd be. That'd be something. That would really be something, especially because Villanova, they have 38 assists on 56 field goals in this tournament. 
That's incredible. I mean, they're passing they're not, the ball. What, I, I take back everything I said. Yeah. West Virginia's not beat Villanova. I mean, it's been something else to see every single person on that team be a threat on offense. Yeah. I mean, you almost forget that they have Brunson sometimes, how much the ball moves around when Spellman's taking threes and stuff. That's what worries me if you're a West Virginia fan. But like I said, this is one of those things. If West Virginia gets up, they get a big lead, and they start pressing. Not, not, not West Virginia. Villanova starts pressing. Villanova it starts, starts taking pressing. bad shots, like we've yeah. seen with. I think that's the theme of this tournament: is teams trying to rely on the three point line to get back in right. games. And well, it, this is like, like panicking almost. That's the hope if you're if you're a West Virginia fan going into this game is that. There, there might be 43 shot by each team in this mm-hmm. game. Um, but that's what you want. And the bad news is Villanova is a better three-point shooting team. And the odds favor them. But the good news is... The odds have been wrong a lot this time. The odds have been wrong a lot. Three When you shoot threes, anything can happen. Um, so that would certainly be interesting. I mean, if Huggy Bear be, gets to back to the Final Four, that would be awesome. He's got a, he's got a ton that he could uh, at, at stake here. This is a big term. game if you're Kanate. If you want to take around the drive, the dribble drive... Or yeah. basically Brunson and Bridges, and those guys don't want to get in there and get in the mix because they don't want to get swatted around. Mm. That's what happened to Carolina. They didn't want to drive. They didn't want Robert Williams swatting the ball. They wanted to kick the ball out and shoot threes. Yeah. That's what West Virginia can do. Canate, the volleyball block. Um, I'll mention Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was an obligation. We, we have to mention Kentucky. There, we for mentioned the good, Kentucky. Yes. Calipari. Uh, I think Calipari. What a coaching job, right? If he, if, yeah. So, <laughs> this is my favorite time of year when Calipari makes the run. What a coaching job, folks. I, I think he's screwed in terms of his – there's there's not a ton to be gained other than a national championship because if Kentucky – even if they make the national championship game at this point, mm-hmm. every single person's going to be screaming, one, you had the easiest path in NCAA tournament history to get there. After complaining about After it, complaining which, which about is it. iconic. And two, you have your your team is absolutely loaded. The fact that you – the fact that this is a, a surprise to anybody is not – you should not get credit for that. You should be <laughs> – you should, it should be a detraction to what yes. you did in the regular yes. season. Um, those are the two things everyone's going to say. So I'm not really sure there's much to gain for Calipari except <laughs> for winning the national championship. There should be an obligation that if they do make the run to the Final Four, we should we should all remember that. And that was the year that they were a five seed. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and that was the year that Virginia lost, and you know, and Arizona lost. Yeah, Cincinnati lost. But the, Tate, Tate's going to be huge asterisk next yeah. year. Yeah, forget that. Yeah. One, two, three, um, four, fifth. And then the, the other one, oh, Kansas State. I, I actually, I was going to. I'm going to end up going through all these teams even though I didn't want to. Uh, Kansas State, Bruce Weber redemption tour. That'd be nice, right? They'd go to the Final Four. Bruce Weber goes to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. You take back every bad thing you've ever said about him. I even tweeted it out after they won the game. The picture I remember from Illinois, they're like, we got to get a real coach. Let's hire a real coach. And it's just Bruce Weber's mug with an orange tie being like, can someone please make a play? Uh, uh, Last last one I want to mention by... by, No, it's not. Damn it. I did it again. Uh, I want to mention John... (laughs) It's a great tease, folks. Uh, John Beeline... um, the man of March. John Beeline, Michigan goes back to the Final Four. Um, that would be that would be good for John Beeline's legacy, I think. He's, he's been to what, one? That's mm-hmm. it, 2013, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to get to two. One, one is a fluke. One, uh, anybody can go to one is what people say. <laughs> can you do it again? Yeah. Um, have, you know, Tate has been dragging Shaka all this podcast for only going to one, so... Beeline goes to two. He established if, if Beeline really goes to two, he he really will. If he goes to the final four, he will really solidify himself as Mr. March over Tom Izzo. I'm not ready to give him the thing yet because, I mean, you can't erase like all the things Izzo has done. But if he goes to two, I think I think the torch has officially been passed. Tate. I just want to say this, and you know, for that Michigan team, Jordan Poole hits that shot. They all freak out. They're tweeting all this stuff about Jordan Poole. They get his name wrong. They tweeted Jordan Peele. This was a story on Outside the Lines I saw, which is hilarious. 
I just think that's great. That's how good Michigan is this year. That a guy yeah. that hit their game-winning shot that was in the game at that moment, a freshman, Jordan Poole, their hits a shot. Don't even know. Don't even know. <laughs> They're just like, I don't just care. Just keep making shots. Yeah. It's like as if Beeline is playing. It's just like everyone just sees Beeline. When Duncan Robinson does something well, they tweet at the Spurs. <laughs> and they're like, hey, the Tim Duncan, Dave Robinson was really good out there. It's a nice good combo. <laughs> These guys are great. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously Final Fours would help all these coaches. This really is the final one, I'm going to say. Uh, Leonard Hamilton. Yes. We, at Florida State, uh, the odds are stacked against him. Florida State, I think, if, if you don't know anything about Florida State, but you know about sort of Florida State teams of the past, you might assume that this team plays great defense. Mm-hmm. They do not. Um, they play fast. Uh, yeah, this is not like a typical Florida State team, and – I say that to say I don't really trust them moving forward. I think they were very, very lucky to have beaten Xavier. I think they, they got some favorable calls. I think I, I'm not saying I, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because people are going to take that the wrong way. I'm not. I'm going to use Leonard Hamilton's words for you. Okay, do he that. He said, "I think what you see happening in college basketball right now, it's almost like a revolution." And they were asking him about the upsets in the games. Yeah, and he's basically it's anyone's tournament right now. The best yeah. teams, like we said, on paper have not advanced, you know, and that's fine. And that's what Florida State did to Xavier. Yeah. Xavier had the better resume on paper. They had the better team on paper, but Florida State showed up and won the game. Florida State is a team, as I brought up earlier, that you get to the Sweet 16, you start talking yourself into, can they do it? Yeah. The answer is probably still very much no. Um, any, but, anything but can is, happen. But this is the strangest but, tournament, I, I mean, yeah. in, in a long time. I say that to say, though, that if Florida State does go to the Final Four, the, the reason I'm bringing up this part is that Leonard Hamilton, with, with Tubby Smith being fired, mm-hmm. with Kevin Ollie being fired, mm-hmm. we've now, we have Shaka Smart, we have Mike Davis as the only two black coaches, currently active coaches, with that Final Fours. Final Fours? I don't know. There just there's aren't enough black coaches in college basketball in general. It's something I talk with Greg Oden about, who mm-hmm. pretends like he wants to get into coaching. I've told him you don't actually want to get into coaching. You just don't know what else you want to do with your life. But uh, he and I talk about this all the time. Just kind of the opportunities that black coaches get and how they're probably not enough, and how there doesn't really seem as of right now. There's there aren't really black coaches that are above reproach in college basketball. Mm-hmm. There is no one that's like on the level on of, the rise. Yeah, there's like no what one Shaka that's like, was. That's, there was so much excitement about. There's it. like no one who, if they got fired, people wouldn't be shocked or like would be shocked. I mean, mm-hmm. like, what you fired that guy? Um, it, it, I, I guess that's not entirely shit, but Leonard Hamilton's like kind of that, and yeah, it'd be cool it, to have just more Final Four. And he's done such a great job at Florida State. I mean, when they won the regular season, the ACC regular season, people were freaking out about you know Leonard, all he did down there, and uh, you know you see guys like Steve Robinson who was at Florida State on staff in North Carolina. Um, you see Paul Hewitt, a guy that took Georgia Tech to the national title game. Right. He's going to be on staff with Penny Hardaway. That's a good thing. Penny Hardaway getting hired at Memphis. That's a good thing. Pat Ewing, as much as I laughed and joked about him going back to Georgetown, that's such a huge opportunity for Pat Ewing to be able to run well, with that John, program. With, with JT3 getting fired, he was one of the he was one of the black coaches that, that had a Final Four as well because he went mm-hmm. in 07. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so th- that would be cool. That'd yeah. be cool if Leonard Hamilton made it to the Final Four. So And Leonard's putting his it. dues, you know. He's the man. Yeah, he's the guy. Like, How old is Leonard Hamilton, if you had to guess? I'm going to say 36. Yeah, you can, you can visit me. <laughs> the man like, looks great. He's going to be like 43 next year. Yeah, uh, the, he's, probably awesome. like, he's probably like 76 and no one noticed. Like, like He's actually probably the oldest coach in college basketball. No one actually noticed because he looks like he's And we talked about Gonzaga and Mark Few. I mean, the talent that Florida State lost off last year's team, when you look yeah. at Isaac and you look at Bacon and Rattan Mays, I mean, that team was unbelievable and a team that I said famously was the best team in the country about December last year of 2016. Uh, and now you look at you know what they've done with Terrence Mann being the face of their program Kumaji's playing and up Terrence, to a level PJ Savoy has it, he's the face of the program he hasn't even played well in this tournament exactly I don't know I, I, I just think of, you look at all these coaches and all the legacies on the line 
I, I was really downtrodden on this tournament. I know I was really negative after the games. And, you know, I say a little bit of that came. I'm, I'm sorry what I did to Sister Jean. I called her out. Um, that was rude of me. Are you sorry? I'm not really, but I, I feel bad. I feel like I let my own, you know, me being upset and being upset for, you know, my team going down. I just let it slip and I let it go. And Sister Jean, do you think, I let it go in the tournament too. Do you, you think know? Sister Jean will write an article for the Players' Tribune? <laughs> If, if Loyola makes the final four. <laughs> you know what I really wanted to do is do the Chris Holtman thing, like what he did to me. You know, like yeah. all, all those so-called journalists. Yeah. Sister yeah. Jean just calls them Sister out. Jean. These so-called podcasters <laughs> out there coming at me. She's like, I'm living to 150, bitches, and drops the mic. Um, that would be good. That would be good. I deserve that. I hope Sister Jean does that. Um, I will say this. My biggest gripe with Sister Jean, and this is, you know, just a little aside. Oh, my God. Here we go. I'm excited for this. She has God's ear. You know, she she. that's what they're telling me. That's that's, yep. that's why the shot went in. That's what I was told. Chris yep. Christofferson made that shot. I'm kidding. That's not his name, but that's what. I, that's how I remember him. Makes the shot. It goes in. Um, and he's like, thank you, Sister Jean, for making that happen. So, Sister Jean, I ask you, if you have his ear... And you can dictate what happens in this tournament. Mm. Number one, why are the devils still alive? Ooh. Ooh, that's a great point. Why are you sidetracking God from getting rid of the devil right now? Coach K is alive. He is thriving. His team looks better than ever. Sister Jean, stop talking to him. He has more pressing matters. Interesting. That's the last thing I'll say about Sister Jean. I thought you were going to say, if Sister Jean has God's ear, why is she not getting the Chicago recruits to go to Loyola? <laughs> because that's why, the... Why did Anthony Davis not go to Loyola? <laughs> why was Jabari Tell me Parker, that, Sister Jean. Why is Jabari Parker not playing for the Ramblers? Uh, why is Jabari Parker not a senior? <laughs> that's the secret. Honestly, I think if Loyola goes to the Final Four this year, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see every single one of these five yes. stars coming out of Chicago yes. just signing up to play for the Ramblers. Are they the Ramblers? Yeah, they're the Ramblers. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Um, what games, so as we wrap this up, what games, enough of the legacy, the Sister Jeans, the Eric Musselman's family, mm-hmm. uh, the the all that kind of stuff, the the old coaches coaching against each other with the 2-3 zones, just the just the actual basketball being played. What games are you most excited about as we head into the six, Week 16? I think the best game and the game that, feels right and it feels like it was supposed to happen it feels like it makes sense to me and that's what I've been trying to make sense of this whole tournament Villanova West Virginia that's what I was going to say as well it's the best game because it's contrasting styles it's two really good basketball teams and when you get to the Sweet 16 and that's what we kept saying about the upsets when you get to the Sweet 16 you want it to be two teams who are like oh my god someone has to go home yeah, you know, Ooh, I like, hate like, this. Yeah, like this, mm. this. Somebody has to lose today, folks. You know, I, I want to have so that sad. feeling. Not like, thank God they're out of the tournament. Which is, you yeah. know, nothing to say about UMBC. But as I was watching the Kansas State game, I was like, it's about yeah. time, folks. Like it, yeah. it was fun while it lasted. And I think Villanova West Virginia is going to feel like it's a dare I say an Elite Eight game in Ooh, the Sweet Sixteen. It's going to feel like it, you're going to you're going to be watching. <laughs> be like, dang, this is a great Elite Eight game. This feels like down. March. Yeah, is this March? And is it, it is. Here, is it here already? I would agree with you. That's the game I'm most looking forward to. Also, just because of the style of play of both teams. Like I said, we, we brought it up earlier. It would be 43 shot probably by both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be exaggerating. I might not. Although, a uh, ton of three shot, up and down. Javon Carter versus Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be awesome to watch. I will give a special shout out to Kentucky, Kansas State. I think Kansas State is better than Kentucky is probably given credit for. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky fans might be, as we said on the podcast we did yesterday, counting their chickens before they hatch a little bit. They do have a favorable draw. Um, but Kansas State 
my the, Kansas State has made it this far, and by this far I mean they beat an eight seed and a sixteen seed, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. And so it got taken sort of to the wire by a sixteen seed, but uh, they made it this far without their best player. Dean and Wade. I think that's been mm-hmm. lost in the shuffle because unless your best player, unless you're one of the top teams, no one cares when you lose your best player. Mm-hmm. But Dean Wade for Kansas State has not played. He might be coming back, or will he? We don't really know. He was supposed to. He was supposed to maybe sort of kind of come back in the first round game against Creighton. He has he has a stress fracture in his foot, I believe, is mm-hmm. what he's recovering from. Um, that didn't happen. They decided they were going to save him for the game against Virginia. The game against Virginia did not happen mm-hmm. because, as you may have heard, Virginia lost. So they rested him. So Bruce Weber's like, if if we lose to the 16th seed, so help me God, like, you know, <laughs> I will really be done. So, so there will be a new headline <laughs> in Manhattan, Kansas, yeah. that says hire a real coach. <laughs> And it's Bruce Weber again with a purple tie. So they buy a few more days for Dean Wade to come back. Um, and now we enter the Kentucky game. Yeah, on, on Sunday, Dean Wade gets gets a camera shoved in his face, mm-hmm. gets asked, Am I are you going to play? I almost feel like we should play the mystery music for this, but we've already played, we've already tapped out on the Isaac Haas. Or did we? Can we play the mystery music? Play the music. So Dean Wade says on Sunday. I'm like 98% sure I'll play against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty good. I, You and I have been on this where we notice when guys throw out specific numbers and what, what do we mean by that? With Michael Porter saying 65%. Um, with Kyle Guy saying he was 100% excluding the part where my knee is falling mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have a huge brace and I'm not 100%. 98% right. is very specific. Uh, what that, is the 2% difference? Yeah, like why why couldn't you say 100% is the question. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the worry. Is like if 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 you're that high, if you get me to 98% where you're you're saying like I feel great, why not just take it to 100% and say I'm definitely playing? And, and let's be honest, when you say 98% or 99%, there's more percent, you know? You're just trying to play ham it yeah. up like that's the 0.1% yeah. time that would happen. It's like, well, obviously it's happened more than that, right? That you would so, think about this. But anyway, on Sunday it feels like he's going to play. We're pretty confident. I'm just pissed it, he said 98%. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 probably going to happen, right? So on Monday he says he gets asked again. He says, "Will you be playing mm-hmm. on, against Kentucky?" And he says, "I think I will be, but we'll talk about it a little more and see some people." I'm hoping and praying. I'm pretty positive I will be, but if not, <laughs> I'll be a great cheerleader. I'll be a great cheerleader like usual. Does that feel like more than ninety eight percent or less than ninety eight percent to you? That feels like the Billy Preston mystery. <laughs> it feels I mean, like it feels like Michael Porter Jr. It feels like, what are you talking about, I Dean? think, you know what this feels like to me is Bruce is, is trying to assess the situation. He's saying, mm. do we have a realistic shot at winning this game against Kentucky? If we do, Dean, you're playing. Mm-hmm. If we do not, Dean, you're not, because mm-hmm. then you're my ace up my sleeve. When the people say, how do we lose by 40 to Kentucky? I say, well, Dean Wade, you know, wasn't mm-hmm. 100%. I think Bruce has a hand in this, and I gotta say, I love the move. Does Dean Wade have a chance to have a D Wade game Ooh. again, so everyone can make that reference? Ooh. I'm excited for that. Ooh, D Wade. Uh, also, Jan- Jared Vanderbilt is he is he coming back in this game? Yes, we finally got the cow uh, the <laughs> cow uh, the cow update. Uh, he says we'll see. Uh, <laughs> it would be nice to have one more guy. It makes us <laughs> it makes us a different team. Um, obviously, you know, adding a guy, he gives you one more just in case you didn't mm. understand what his, his original mm. point was. It may be worth it, we, but we don't need him to play. But I want to see if he can play. What a glowing endorsement of Jared Vanderbilt's game, by the way, where Cal's like, 
Like all, all the reporters, <laughs> he's like, another guy. Yeah, Jared. He's Ver- another body. You know, you know, Cal, five Jared, Jared Vanderbilt is like six <laughs> ten and can handle the ball and pass and is really, really, you know, really versatile. Big that guy. That's a, awesome. And that Cal's was a like, my kid hey. answer. That yeah. was not a my guy answer. That was a sure. I was like, yeah, he's just another body I throw out there. I don't really know much about him. Honestly, it was good that he said guy though. He he's one guy. more guy. If he said he's yeah. one more kid, then we would have had a real problem with Vanderbilt. Oh, uh, if Kansas State gets Dean Wade back though, that that's interesting. That becomes an interesting game. I mean, anytime a team doesn't really have anything to lose, you're going up against Kentucky. I think most people at this point think Kentucky, if we're talking about 98%, I think most people think Kentucky has a 98% chance of making the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kansas State played in the Big 12 all year. They Every single game they were playing against good teams. Um, they are not going to be scared of Kentucky. Dean Wade is is a matchup nightmare for any, even some of the guys Kentucky has that they'll put on him with all their length and stuff. He, If he is 100%, if he gets that, that extra 2%, and gets up to 100, uh, he could be a problem. So um, that's a game that I that I think will be interesting. I mean, I, I definitely expect Kentucky to win, but um, I don't know. It should be a fun one. Mm-hmm. So anything else before we go? Uh, Kansas Clemson. I'm excited for that game. Clemson. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, that actually will be. That yeah. Actually, uh, Clemson is the best ACC team left besides Duke. So I mean, Duke's sort of its own entity. So if you want to watch uh, a good team play, I think you know first time, first Sweet 16 in 21 years. Um, they, they've only made one Elite Eight in history. So. Are, should, it, should we just history. keep going and like end up mentioning every single game so that way <laughs> Kyle's gonna no kill one, us? Look, look, Kyle's Kyle's about to quit right now. Should we just mention every single game so that way none of the fans can can bitch at us because everyone's like super the, happy? What I can't believe you did it that long and you didn't even talk about Michigan, Texas A and M. I think that's actually gonna be a great mm. game, and I think. Yeah, I mean Chris Beard's gonna be great. We're excited to watch him coach. Keenan Evans, his toe was 100. percent uh, Purdue, Matt Harms' hair. There we did. We did yeah. it. We did it. We did it. We t- uh, also, Loyola, Nevada. Um, that is Sister Jean versus the Musselman family. There's yes. no other way. If We're going to lose one meme, folks. No one, don't even talk about the, the, the stuff happening on the court. It doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm. it's That's the meme game. Um, we're we're going to lose one, unfortunately. We'll just have to see what happens, Tate. We'll just have to see what happens. Do you have any shout-outs before we go? Uh, just one shout-out I want to put out there. We're in Los Angeles. It is the regional Florida State, when they won their game, they sang California, you know, like knows how to party, want to go back out to L.A. It was exciting. I wish that, you know, our two teams were going to be here, but I think we're going to be at the regional. We're going to be at practices. We're going to be around the place. We're going to be player hating. Yeah. Like you've never seen before. I think we should go. That should, that should be the plan. I hate, think, hate, hate, hate. I think we should That's just be haters. Be the whole time. Um, yeah, just, it's going to be great. Just lay the shtick on thick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to wear all the Ohio State stuff. Cheer and and not just cheer against Michigan. I think that's the, that's what everyone expects me to do is just cheer because they're my my rivals. And stuff. I'm gonna cheer against every single team. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cheer against Florida State, mm-hmm. certainly Gonzaga because they beat us. Michigan, Texas A&M, all. Of them. Although we can be bought because all. Gonzaga reached out and said they'd give us free gear. So if we have free gear, we may pull for you. That is, true. we'll figure it out. You know, <laughs> look, it's ever it's whoever values our loyalty the most. If you if you haven't learned anything from listening to Tate and I as we try to backpedal on every pick we made in this bracket, it's that. We are willing to straddle the line mm-hmm. of what, whatever the topic, whatever the issue, anything. We will hate all these teams until we actually love them. No matter what it takes, we will do whatever we need to do. We like to, to see all sides like and see yes. if we can figure it out. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Javon Carter, who is mm-hmm. probably the most outstanding player of this tournament so far. He has scored 49 points in the two games that West Virginia has played in. Uh, West Virginia has blown out both teams they've played. They've, mm-hmm. they've played a 12 and a 13 seed, so we, mm-hmm. should, we should say that. He scored 49 points. He has uh, he's averaging five and a half steals in these two games. He is averaging, I believe, if my math is correct, six and a half assists and four and a half rebounds in two games. 
I don't like doing the average with two games, mm-hmm. but it's I'm just trying to. I'm just but trying it's to, right. It's for the tournament. It's I'm trying. Tough. I'm trying to show people just how hot he's been these these past two games. And Javon, so, Carter, shout out Javon Carter. What he had 28 points, and that was on a list with Jerry West for the most points in a tournament game. So anytime yeah. you're at West Virginia, you're on a list with Jerry West. You're doing good things. Uh, that's it. Enjoy the Sweet 16. We will be back Friday, I believe. Yep. After the after the Elite Eight has been set, we will do a reaction pod to that. Um, so check that out. We we will have an Elite Eight. Texas Tech looking to make their first Elite Eight they've ever made. I believe Texas A&M is, is mm-hmm. as well. Loyola, the last time they were in the Sweet 16 was like 1963, I think. So Yes, that's true. Loyola, 1963. Mm-hmm. They actually won the national title of the year. But uh, Nevada Nevada has also never made the Elite Eight. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of new blood here. Should be fun, Tate. I can't wait. That's all we got. Save the crew.